Ready? Uh, yep, primo content loaded. Um, uh, Snapchat filters set to stun. Ready to go. Dank, dank memes on the generator. Brewing. Yep. Brewing, brewing away in the in the content kitchen. Uh, well, let's cook. All right. Yeah. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Cellar Dwellers podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to the best of the very worst of AFL football. This is our podcast before the season starts in proper. Uh, We're very excited to be here. Thrilled to welcome, as always, my brother, Chris. Chris, say hi. I, isn't it an exciting time to be alive? You know, I've, I've got my scarf, I've got my old coat, I've got a footy game to go to, footy's on, footy's here again, back to greet me like an old friend, and that is the thing about, <laughs> that's what I like about, and that's the thing about, the thing about football is that it happens. It's back. Let's, let's Australian rules football. Yes. So... As the course of the season unfolds, as we get to past our, our pre-season entertainment and into uh, real football, we will, as as usual, be recapping uh, what's going on in the very worst teams around the league. So if your team's going to be very bad at Essendon, then uh, make sure you tune in because we'll be probably talking about them every week, trying to find some glimmer of hope. We'll be discussing the very worst takes and opinions around the league. And if you're interested in that and if you want to keep listening, make sure you like our Facebook page. Uh, Chris, what's the Facebook page address again? Uh, it is facebook.com slash cellar dwellers podcast. Oof. Let me just check. Let me just check. Let me just check. That's true. We're, we're, uh, we update it uh, very regularly. And by that, I mean, we'll tell you when there's a new episode out. Make sure you uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Chuck. Yeah, do 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 that. It's a, it's a big help. It's a big help. Um, Chuck a little subscribe on there so you keep it updated. Keep it, keep it fresh when Chris finishes ed- editing out all my defamation. Yeah, and maybe, um, you know, tell a mate. Tell a mate. Tell your friends that are... Uh, Footy's on, footy's here again, and uh, you are excited to be listening to the very worst of it on our podcast. Okay, Chris, well, we've got a a jam-packed episode. We've been away for a while. Let's start with a a headline from a few days ago, but it was pretty much a few weeks ago, but it was really pretty much content that was designed for us. And that's the match that was attempted to be played between a NAB challenge. There was a NAB challenge thrown. It was a gauntlet of, uh, turns out, blood. Yeah. Thrown down between the power of Port Adelaide and the Tigers of Richmond. Well, rather for those of people who've got either uh, suffered a recent blow to the head or didn't pay attention to a NAB challenge because they've got things going on in their lives, Chris, talk them through the situation. It turns out that a NAB challenge is when you go to Etihad Stadium with a full list and emerge with something less than a full list. Now... That was the case for Richmond. They arrived and then over the course of the evening lost Shane Edwards, Sean Grigg, Reese Conker and Jacob Townsend. They fielded at times 15 players, um, which is three short of a full on-field complement. Um, and they, they did at times also, let's just say, not compete fully for the, the pride 
that is inherent within a NAB challenge. So, of course, the, the other big headline coming out of this was that uh, Damien Hardwick attempted to have the match cancelled uh, yes. while it was still yes. going on. Yeah. And really, the fact that it was allowed to continue, it says everything that we like about the Australian Football League. The fact that the, that the match was forced to continue whilst the other team decided to field three players fewer than it's what would usually be the tactical requirement uh, yeah. Success and it really went about as well as you could expect. Yeah, so let's let it was it was at times relatively close. So Richmond were were in front until quarter time, and then we're only you know uh, two goals back at, at halftime. But and then the injuries um, set in in the second. And then half. the injuries set in. Um, luckily for them, Port kicked um, thirteen goals. 15 behinds, but they really pounded it on in the last quarter. Um, Richmond did not kick a goal after the first five minutes of the third, and it was all all over. Um, some would say and suggest um, deliberately over. My question for you, Sam, did this bring the NAB challenge into disrepute? Well, it's got us talking about the NAB challenge, so it's probably, done, probably did more for the NAB challenge than, than everything else did. I have some sympathy because they are still charging entry to these games, I believe. Yeah, I paid good money to go watch, to go watch Carlton. Send it to Carlton. Uh, so, yeah, so there's, there's the, that's really the concern. But on the other hand, if you're going to a NAB Challenge game and expecting uh, it to be anything more than seeming like a match where one of the teams just forgot three of its players, uh, then you're not really understanding what's going, what the purpose of the preseason is. Look, I think it's pretty silly that the match kept going. But what what surprises me more more is why Hardwick even bothered with fifteen. Like, what was what was the process that decided where he said, uh, "Well, I guess there's that's the the number of they couldn't really have players rotate off the bench. I guess they just couldn't fit any more people off the ground. That's just what they had yeah. left. Yeah. So you're you're allowed to have three off the ground at a time. Yeah. And I think when you've got four soldiers go down. Um, but surely you could have just had two or three more people just do an ankle or, or feel some calf tightness that needed for them to be pulled out. See if you could get down to like, uh, answer the A-Dog question, could you just get two people out there playing kick to kick, playing keepings off? <laughs> I think then, then it's called soccer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, why not? But just really test them. Like the moment that your request to cancel the game has been rejected and your players are running around there risking injury with no chance of rest, to say, oh, look, oh, uh, uh, we've, got a, we've got another injury. Jack Rewalt, uh, he's, uh, he's feeling a bit worse for wear. Ty Vickery sustained a concussion through mystery means again. <laughs> he's, got to, he's got to come off. There's a whole bunch of mystery concussions set in and the AFL has to, has to take him off the ground. It would have been glorious. Uh, but what a, what a fantastic yeah. preview for the season. Well, I, I think it's good because... The best part is um, the, the club, Richmond being the club, asked um, the league match official whether the game could be cut short. So we know that. But also suggested that Port Adelaide should withdraw some players. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, is a call to a spirit of fairness not seen since the early stages of the VFL. I, I wonder what's going to happen, if, what, what will happen now. There is no injury sub. Uh, going into this season, uh, what's going to happen when there are a few injuries that rack up during one of the say the infamous old showdown days of the the two thousands between Adelaide and Port could get very interesting. But uh, let's keep moving. That's 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 the end of the NAB challenge now. Thankfully, listeners, we're on to 
real competitive footy or uncompetitive footy as we'll mostly be focusing on. <laughs> well, the most exciting development in competitive footy is that we're about to get more. The Women's League yes. applications have officially opened yes. now. What's interesting here is that our, our teams, Geelong and Carlton, um, have put some fairly strong applications in along with Collingwood. There will be four local teams. Um, it looks like the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne have been left out, even though they have been the nominally represented teams at uh, exhibition games for the Women's League. So uh, I'd be curious to see who fills out the bunch. The, the, the funny thing for me is that Brisbane have put their hand up to, to have a Women's League team. They must be thinking that not only can they poorly manage one AFL team, but they can probably poorly manage two. Well, they're try- they're, they are going to try and trade for Brendan Favola, I think. Into the women's league team as well. Carlton, of course, yeah. just looking to depth uh, for depth for its uh, draft stocks. Possibly trying to play some of these people. Long, fun, this is the long term. Yeah, vision. the long term vision that we've now got at the club to see if we can sort of get get a few games in the in the women's league early in the season. Get get some match fitness up into the players, and then bring them into the senior side um, as the season progresses. Uh, get some better skilled ball use and some some unselfish play off the ball. You are you are likely to get that. Um, well, uh, as according to the Guardian, apparently Andreas Everett was uh, a key forward for Carlton last year. We could really use really use some uh, some extra support. So I mean that's good news. We'll see we'll see which four teams they are. I think it's unlikely to be Brisbane unless they're saying they're going to pump they're going to stump up for the flight charges. But oh yeah, uh, potentially. And, and also um, the fact that you have more clubs wanting it in just says that uh, yeah. what, a, what a great sign it is that this league might. And I, I and I think to have three of the big Victorian teams um, throw their hat into the ring so early in the process is really good. If you are interested. Um, there will be a uh, father-daughter rule in effect. I guess the hope is that in, in a few years' time we'll just have an offspring rule. Yep, we're, we're all for it. Um, and, and if you do get the opportunity, um, get along to uh, the last remaining exhibition matches this year before the competition begins in fall next year. Very exciting news indeed. Now, uh, our listeners would be well aware that we have uh, an extremely stupid section of this show for a grand final uh, coming up. but. Uh, we've actually got something more important to, to do before we progress to that, which is this week, uh, the week of this podcast being recorded, is our father's birthday. Now, he lives overseas. Uh, by the sounds of it, he's having a, a pretty tough week, and we thought we should make sure that we focused on some really important content related to his favourite club, uh, neither of, yeah. a club that neither of us support, uh, the St Kilda Saints. Yes. St Kilda Saints. Now, um, he he was, I understand, uh, at the very least, alive for their single point, single premiership. Uh, was he at the game? I I suspect maybe he was. His his father was a big St Kilda. Fan his re- as well. his recollection varies. In the spirit of that, we wanted to run through some primo St Kilda content here. Get a real focus on on a on a team which. You know, it had a surge last year, but the, the, the hope of always next year has been long for St Kilda fans, and yes, uh, it yeah. wouldn't shock... Hundreds of years it, long, it, it turns. It wouldn't really shock me necessarily if we if we were talking about them this year. So let's kick it off then with, to honour phenomenal captain Nick Rewalt's 300th game. St Kilda Football Club has put together a um, voting list, um, which you can still go and... Um, and put your vote in. So go go do that. Of Nick Rewalt's best 
uh, home and away jumpers. That's right. Well, because they've got a special jumper for him this year when he's going to when he plays his three hundredth game. He's got a, a a special Rui three hundred jersey uh, going to be part of the celebration somehow. It it's not a particularly special or b particularly good. I do like that three because you can see the voting stats here. We'll put the link in the show notes. Go go check the page out because. I like that 374 people have disliked it. But more than that, more than that, I want to know the 551 heartless animals who disliked the Maddie's Match Jumper, um, which for listeners who don't know, is the match to commemorate the death of Nick Rewald's sister, which was a universe. They, they used um, the proceeds of that to start a charity. So to those 551 of you out there, who said no to that? Get in the beard. Off to Thought Crime Island with you. Just to, just to run through the rankings for the listeners who who uh, don't have a, a a moment to go and check it out. They have from ranking from best to worst because really the the worst is the best bit. That's the entire premise yeah. of this podcast. Number yeah. number one is the 2015 Saints home jumper. It looks exactly like you think St Kilda would look. I guess people St Kilda fans are extremely into normcore football looks. I for one, and they are extremely into last year. <laughs> I, I for one am not. Uh, 2016 is the is the Rui 300 jumper, which has got a little bit of a 90s throwback to it, but yeah, it does. Yeah. I kind of. Uh, and then the, I don't the like 20, I don't like the back of the Rui three hundred jump. Then the, the twenty for my mind one of the stronger outings is the the number three the twenty fifteen away jumper, um, which has the the red and white stripes. And then the two thousand and three home jumper, which is it's a St Kilda jumper. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 idea that there were people who significantly preferred the twenty fifteen home jumper as against the <laughs> two thousand three away jumper have some very strong views about V necks. Which seems ridiculous. Uh, number five, disliked as mentioned by five hundred and fifty-one people, the twenty fifteen Maddie's Match jumper. Which, sure, I'll admit that the purple doesn't necessarily match with the the the, the front of the jumper, but it's you've got to admit it's it's uh, was really pretty special. Number six, the again the two thousand five away jumper, slightly more more stripes than the more stripes more stripes more stripes less good apparently. And then the 2001 home jumper comes in at, at seven. Yeah. Um, and then we get into Tony Abbott levels of approval rating here. The 2014 Stickman jumper. Stickman, 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 Stickman. From here on, listeners, it is well worth going because that is an atrocious excuse for some graphic design there. Uh, it was not a not a particularly pretty jersey. The the red really the the real problem with it more than the Stickman figure. Who look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize considering that we've got. For instance, the West Coast away jersey, um, <laughs> and Hawthorne's uh, and away jersey, Hawthorne's also. away jersey are also you know real options in this world. But the red and black bifurcation down the middle is just a, a bit. People who listen to Lame is too much, really. <laughs> Yes. Then disliked by even more people, number nine, the 140 year anniversary jumper uh, worn yeah. in 2014, which horizontal black and red stripes. Yeah, now when I first saw this, I thought, oh, that's not too bad. But the more I look at it, the more I hate it. So yeah, look, it's got the names of all the players who played for St Kilda over the over the yeah, forty years. Yeah, that's you, kind of also great. It is just that I I think the thing for me that does it in is the white banding around the sleeves. You, the stripes have really got to continue all the way out if you're going to go with that look, and it, and it doesn't. Um, Two thousand six heritage jumper is rightfully derided for. For having a genuine polo collar, yeah, it's got a it's got a collar. Uh, um, uh, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but well, apparently that's heritage. 
Uh, and then the 2008 Away Jumper with its, I guess, stone effect St Kilda logo. Very stone, bad. Stone washing your jersey was not was not a popular move amongst the St Kilda fans. Not popular. Then, not popular with me either. That's that's West Coast away jersey levels bad. Yeah. And then we get to <laughs> the really good. I think the really interesting inclusion <laughs> in this list, which is the 2010 Grand Final jumper. As, now apparently that's the sec- may recall the second the, sec- the second yeah. worst. Apparently that's the, the second, second worst. worst jersey Nick Rewald's ever worn. Now it's actually. Not very offensive. Uh, I, I kind of like it. I think this is an emotional um, reaction from the secure faithful here to their drawn grand final attempt. Uh, it's important to remember drawn then lost. Uh, yeah, drawn and then to lost. Uh, yeah, the old, the old enemy. Yeah, that's it's, unfortunate. But then we get to the, I think, quite fairly maligned <laughs> uh, Carlton M&M's level 2002 away jumper, which is bright yellow. Instead of red. Instead of red. Um, that is, I don't know what they thought when they put that together, but it's... I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't remember what special event this was for, but there's... Well, I think they wore this all season. I don't, I really, I, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that is possible. I don't know. It was the early 2000s. It was a hectic time. <laughs> hectic time. Uh, frosty tips. Frost, frosty tips. Frosty tips and gold chains. The thing that strikes me about it is... If there's one thing that really St Kilda has, it's the red, white, and black. <laughs> they and own that. They own nobody. They own yeah. that. Uh, mm. It's a stolen theme song and a stolen club song and a, a red, white, and black. That's what they've got. Oh, and uh, years and years and years of crushing failure. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so what they decided to do was abandon the one of those things which might be good. The uh, the red. The, the red. Uh, and really just go with crushing defeat on a design front too. I think they probably had 291 people work on this design. Um, and I can tell you that because 291 people have decided that this was a good jumper. <laughs> Maybe those are just the people who are trying to get the, the 2010 grand final jumper down to the bottom. Yeah, it could there's be. An anti, there's an anti-vote could campaign. Be. Uh, They've got about 200 votes to go. So get, Let's um, get it to number one, listeners. Well, of course, the other thing that, as I mentioned, that's well-known for St Kilda is um, crushing defeat. Uh, yes. And, Chris, I believe you've done some research. I we're, have we're done well some research. We're well-known for our re- always... accurate research on this podcast. Yeah. So run us through your findings about St Kilda. Yeah, well, first I'll run you through the highest ever AFL scores, right, in which features my team twice. Uh, so Geelong ranked number one. They kicked 239 points against Brisbane in 1992. Fitzroy kicked 238 against Melbourne. Sydney, 236 against Essendon in 87. So Geelong kicked 233 against Melbourne in, in 2011. And then in what must have been one of Fitzroy's last seasons, Hawthorne um, pummeled them to the tune of, of 231 points. All of those are at least 230% better than St Kilda's score from round three, 1899, where they kicked one point <laughs> that's in like, two hours. That's, that's the, the, they managed to achieve the least you could with, without being held scoreless. What is important to note is that uh, St Kilda features on this list of the, uh, the top five teams um, to kick uh, a very low score They've got a corner. They've cornered the market. They've, they've cornered it. They feature five times 
The only other team to feature on the list is Melbourne, who kicked two points against Fitzroy. But St Kilda have drawn with themselves twice. For one behind. Uh, for, for, well, they kicked one behind, yeah. and then they, they kicked two behinds um, against South Melbourne and also against Geelong. Um, and then they kicked three behinds against South Melbourne and also against Essendon, making them, I would have to, um, have to say, probably the 1899 team, one of the worst in history. That is a very, very bad score. Um, well, speaking about cruel moments in history and, and talking about the St Kilda Saints, I think it's important to reflect on what I regard as a formative moment of uh, my childhood in particular. And that is, of course, the 1997 AFL Grand Final, which was between the St Kilda Saints and, and the Crows of Adelaide. Now, the 1997 St Kilda Saints, if there was ever a team that reeked of destiny for glory, it was this one. Right, well, they, they, they lost too many. They lost the first seven games at the start of the season. Seven in a row they dropped. And then they proceeded to win the next 17 matches which they played. They went 15-7 and seven to finish top of the table, slightly pipping Geelong. And then they came through and won their two uh, preceding finals to come into the grand final, the hottest team probably in AFL history, facing an Adelaide, yes. an Adelaide squad who were, were certainly uh, talented, but uh, certainly uh, not well-favoured coming into the match. Oh, the other thing to remember is that uh, in the week leading up to the grand final, uh, Robert Harvey won the Brownlow medal. Uh, well, one's, one is a strong word. He received the second most votes, but uh, due to a, a, <laughs> a tacky one-match suspension for, for Chris Grant, uh, the, the medal was awarded to Rob Harvey. Um, well, it is best and, and fairest, so, you know... Just don't get on the Nat 5 bandwagon once again. All over the Nat 5 bandwagon. Uh, what a joke. Uh, what a fraud Robert Harvey is. I'm very glad that he's not the coach of Carlton, uh, and I'm very. Uh, it, it seems like he couldn't deserve Collingwood more. Um, the 1997 grand final itself, really, it was, a, it was a, a close played thing in the first half. St Kilda trailing by two points, uh, not, a, not a festival of accuracy, three goals, six to three goals, eight. And then the Saints absolutely surged in the second quarter and looked like they'd managed to figure out the Adelaide defence. You had uh, that real, that unbelievable centre squad, although notably missing Spider Everett, who uh, arguably could have helped in the game, but certainly would have helped. But Robert Harvey and Nathan Burke both popping 12 and a half metre kicks that were always called uh, as long enough uh, to each other with sweet hand passing between them. Uh, the beautiful skills of really one of my favourite players in history, Nicky Winmar, and then the absolutely thunderous forward line of Stuart Lowe and Barry Hall. It's an all-dark alley team. That is a boxing match waiting to happen. <laughs> it's very much, um, you'd be, you would be patting them down uh, before they came on the field, just, you know, checking for tyre irons. Baz Hall kicked three goals for the course of the match. Look, it was, and St Kilda had then come back and was leading by 13 points at halftime. So what happened from that point onwards is probably one of the greatest capitulations in the second half of any football match. For the rest of the game, St Kilda managed to kick uh, six goals five and conceded 14 goals one 
Yeah, that's, uh, that is a score line, isn't it? I can remember sitting in the living room as our poor father slowly realised that Darren Jarman was just uh, kicking five goals in the last quarter uh, and taking six for the match. There was Andrew McLeod just storming all over the field. Chris, what are your memories of the immediate aftermath of that match? Well, I remember finally understanding what it was to have a crushing heartbreak. You you have to realise that St Kilda have uh, have never won more than the one grand final. They were heavy favourites. Um, they had slapped the rest of the competition around for so long that season. They they made it. Um, this is only the second time in their club history that they've made it into the finals with the restructured AFL. Uh, system, which uh, meant that this was a, a very big moment, and I do seem to recall a certain potent St Kilda fan needing to go for a fairly long walk following the following the final siren. Uh, uh, that that walk around the bushlands of Canberra uh, was one of the slowest <laughs> and most silent times I remember in our family. And of course, that's thinking about the nineteen ninety seven grand final reminds me of uh, one of my favourite AFL players. Austin Aussie Jones, and really, I'm only reminded of this for two things. Uh, he did kick a phenomenal goal uh, in the course of that grand final, which would have gone perfectly on the highlights reel of the uh, of the Premiership DVD, uh, <laughs> well, VHS as it was at the time. But the other thing he's notable for is just his absolutely bananas way he's got his name spelled. Austin with two ends. Austin with two ends. There's a lot of extra letters on this team. <laughs> You know, Stuart Lowe, how many E's do you need, Stewie? You've got uh, Matthew Lappin, that's at least, you know. <laughs> Lappin, whose, whose parents clearly just uh, were cutting off the pronunciation of their surname. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Daryl, regular number of R's, but still, that's a lot of R's. That's a lot of R's. Um, Barry Hall, also too many letters. Um, spelt exactly the way you would think, but still too many. Um, and lastly... Him, way too many. <laughs> way, way too many. Yeah, and then um, and then of course uh, Nathan Burke, um, the captain. That's just one extra e right on the end that you don't need. Yeah, the excesses that really uh, cost them in the end. Too big for their boots, and for their nameplates. There's, I, I tell you what, that ashen and undeserved Brownlow medal for Robert Harvey <laughs> could not have portended a worse outcome for the St Kilda Saints. Yeah, now um, it is it is traditional course, that the 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 Brownlow medal winner is not also in the uh, the Premiership winning team. That is tradition. Um, so uh, That's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that this basically was the last moment in the sun for a decade for the Saints. Until, and then, of course, until that fateful... <laughs> the 2009 Premiership where um, I, I uh, as a Geelong fan, had to have a fairly awkward phone call with my dad... to commiserate him on his team's um, capitulation once again. Um, So, yeah, overall, um, if you want a summary of the the heartbreak that St Kilda brings out in people, do do go look at the 97 grand final. Uh, And important to recall that similarly similarly to the uh, 2009-2010 post-collapse, St Kilda managed to find its way down to the bottom of the league for its 
to add to its uh, AFL record of 26 wooden spoons yes. uh, in the in 2000, in 2000, and then again in 2015, it was bottom of the ladder. So well done, St Kilda fans. Uh, there are a few more committed than you, a few more embracing the foolhardy notion that your team will someday succeed. So here's a, a footy seller's uh, hats off to you. Well, that brings us, as it must, um, to the prime directive of this week's podcast which is the what if teams were comprised of the thing their nickname is bracket 2016 grand, grand final. final it's very exciting chris what we've got a, we've got a, a, a true matchup of, of titans here literal power of Port Adelaide mm. against the might of very many sons of yes. Gold Coast. Yes. Um, now, it's been a long time coming. It's a, it's a, it's a, a matchup that we've been salivating over for weeks. Mm. Uh, the, the, the intensity, the, the pageantry and the glory is all on the line this year. And, and, important, and important to note that, the, that whoever wins this will take an important morale-boosting uh, victory um, for that all-important momentum into the into the season, uh, it really builds really builds momentum on the eve of the season. You couldn't hope for anything more than yeah. a, than a, a real getting the advantage over over your opponents in the league by saying yes. If this really came down to it, and my mascot had to fight yours, I would take you all out. So, Chris, your initial thoughts uh, yeah. that if you've got a, a team literally composed of power. Uh, uh, and in particular, based on their chosen representation, electricity and lightning mm. uh, against a team made of uh, uh, literal suns. Uh, how do you feel about it? What are, you, what are your initial thoughts? Oh, I think this is a really... I've been thinking about this for two weeks, as you do. Um, just, you know, waking up in, in cold sweats in the middle of the night, wondering how I'm going to call it on the day. Um, and, you know, initial thoughts, power, the, the, it's all in their theme song, Right. It's the power to win. Oh, isn't that, isn't that that bloody NXS song? <laughs> uh, I think that's the unofficial club song um, and would, would comprise oh, a, uh, a non-canon so approach. Michael Hutchins versus the Suns, pretty easy. <laughs> well, he is dead, so... Not, not a lot of ball movement. Uh, well, I actually, I go the other way on this. We've got, there's some, there's some things that you can sort of break this down in the sense of, we thought in the last round, uh, we saw the real power of the Suns and their ability to control the football using the immense gravitational power that they generate uh, as, a, as a ball control opportunity. Now, obviously, as uh, being a, a, a physicist by trade, uh, we're all well aware that it actually gravitational power is quite easily overcome in close circumstances by other sources of energy. Yes. So I think the power out to break through the sort of gravity trap. Uh, well, this is, this is so, yeah, I've done a bit of research on this because I was thinking, you know, maybe you get enough of the Gold Coast Suns together, potentially they form one giant black hole from which nothing can escape. Now, there is, um, uh, there is a thing called Hawking radiation which is basically that uh, black holes will eventually have a finite non-zero temperature and gradually entropy um, as particles uh, pop into existence at the event horizon and uh, split in two and decay. 
That that makes a lot of sense to me as a physicist. It, it does. It does. You must be going nodding sagely and saying yes. I know exactly <laughs> yes. what you're on about. Um, <laughs> but essentially, what it boils down to is that um, the the black hole um, will eventually evaporate, um, and they lose more mass than they gain uh, eventually. So. Um, uh, if, if they emit energy or power in any form, then they are vulnerable to the Port Adelaide uh, composition here. Yeah, look, I think that's potentially right. But you've got to think, remember, is, of course, the sun's about 4 billion years old. They've got experience mm. on their mm. side here. When you're getting into a grand final, you don't want, uh, you know, the electric ball movement that you think goes on during the season and mm. goes on earlier mm. in the finals. Grand finals aren't like that. Grand finals are grinded-out affairs. You're not just going to flash and dash over the field. And I think that, that real big age advantage, whereas a lightning bolt lasts for a, you know, a microsecond as against billions of years, I really think that gives the Suns an experience edge. And the other thing that I'd say is that the power lack a real ability to coordinate. There's no, uh, whereas the, the orbital control that the, the Suns are able to exert on a ball, you've really got to think that gives them a, an advantage. The, the, the movement of lightning is also, furthermore, it's a path of least resistance. It's not actually a coordinated movement. It's not a. It's and, and tell you what, the the path of least resistance is going to result in them conceding a whole lot of a whole lot of unforced errors. Uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, uh, rush behinds as Port Adelaide to smash the ball backwards, thinking, well, that's where they don't want it to go. That's where I'm headed. Uh, it's in their nature to concede. In fact, uh, and I think that's a real that's something that's yeah. I, I can't see how that's coming undone unless unless there was a supreme motivator. Someone who was on the sidelines cheering them on in a way that gave them true inspiration. And then you turn and you see it's David Koch. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then I think um, really Gold Coast has, has to win, don't they? They've got Rocket Eat on their side. Um, that's... No, that, uh, uh, no, Chris, that's not, that's not true. He's not their coach anymore. He's not? Oh, wait, he is. He is their coach. He's their new coach. He's their, coach. He's their new coach. <laughs> He was he was at Collingwood and then he was at Gold Coast. He's he's yet to be fired this season. Sorry, yeah. I was just looking. I was yeah, looking. That was a little preview. That was a little preview into their, our round nine podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, listeners. Um, once sorry, again, listeners. the depth the depth of our research. The depth of our research um, is unparalleled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you would you so would have... they've got they've got Rocket Eat, whereas the Suns have got Rocket Eat yelling at them <laughs> and potentially firing himself at them. <laughs> yeah. But but they also they they do have the, the the possibility the power as it were to maybe influence the chain reaction at the heart of each of the suns and and as we all know from uh, Solaris causes problems. That's, for everybody. that's very true. If, mm. On the other on the other hand, you've got to think that as well that the ability of the suns to to make time waste away. Uh, if Interstellar taught me anything, it's that a stars are real confusing. Yep. And and, and b uh, if the Gold Coast can get Matt McConaughey involved, then anything's possible. So this is this is partially why we're so excited for the Women's League to come in, um, because really the, yeah. the the power and the morale in that movie is sourced around Jessica Chastain. So uh, I suspect you're onto a winner here, Sam. Your, your arguments are compelling. Yeah, you've really got to think about motivation in these cases. Of course, there's other motivation that goes in here. We've got to talk jerseys. We've got to talk theme songs. Mm. Um, and a full breakdown of what the best theme songs are is, is obviously a project that we're going to work on uh, mm. at, at our next opportunity. But mm. uh, in, in this case, it's, it's, 
a really terrible matchup. No other side's getting a lot out of it, but theme song advantage clearly port. Uh, oh, you reckon? Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a certain... Uh, see, I, I think um, you may need to remind yourself of the Port Adelaide. That Port Adelaide song's a shocker too. There's not a lot of, mo- not a lot no. of motivation going no, on no. running onto the ground for either no. team. So let's, so let's talk uh, jerseys uh, we, then. If we talk, we talk jerseys, it's clearly, for me, Gold Coast Suns. Uh, oh, really? Yes. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. Oh, this is where, yeah... I think the Gold Coast Sun jersey, it's not as good as the GWS jersey, but seeing them out bright red, bright yellow on the field, it's such a it's such a refreshing change for an AFL team. I'd be very excited if I were a Gold Coast Suns fan. Now, look, if I'd clearly agree with you if it was the old... Uh, well, no, no, if it was the old Port Adelaide jerseys with its sort of Soviet-era fist <laughs> grabbing lightning from the sky... Oh, I'd be all over it. Then I'd be all over it. But, yeah, the new, more reserved, more tasteful, more able to be seen in public wearing one. <laughs> There's a, a, a another thing to be said here, of course, which is we're, we're talking about about a grand final, and you've really got to look at the, the team, the record of these teams in grand finals. And, of course, Gold Coast don't have one. They don't have one. They're young. They're coming in fresh. They don't yep. have the pressure. Yeah. Uh, whereas Port Adelaide, uh, now they do have uh, a, a grand final victory, uh, and it was well deserved. But they also have one of the most terrible grand final losses in history. Well, they actually have the most terrible grand final loss in history. Uh, the two thousand and seven grand final against Geelong is the largest margin of any grand final. And that's that is, a millstone. That's a millstone, much yeah. like St Kilda's record of being the worst team in AFL history, yeah. um, uh, wears wears around its neck. So, look, I, I think it's I think it's close. Like that speed advantage that 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 Port's got, um, the ability to decay the Suns over time and and to potentially wear them down. That that weighs in uh, the the just the uh, uh, attractiveness of David Koch on the sideline mm. uh, dishing out patronising advice to women. Mm. Um, the, the There's some things going for Port Adelaide here, but uh, my my call, my vote uh, at this at this stage, and I'll see if you agree, is it's, it's the Suns. I agree. It is the Suns. They've got a lot going for them. Um, and uh, congratulations to them. And, uh, and clearly we'll be seeing them... Uh, up on the podium at the end of the year, accepting um, all the premiership medals. Uh, that'll be very and, and, exciting. And when that, and when that happens, and when when Gary gets his next premiership, you'll know you'll know where it started, listeners. It started yeah. with us. Uh, so congratulations to the Suns, the inaugural winners of the "What If Teams Were Comprised of the Thing Their Mascot Is" bracket 2016. Yes. Um, uh, an important award. Uh, it's an award that Chris and I have spent far too much time thinking yes. about. Yes. Now, if you um, want to spend, if you do want to spend more time thinking about it, up on the Facebook page, we will have a complete round by round bracket breakdown graphic that you can uh, you can download. We may even look at getting some printed up if you're if you're interested. Um, we should probably send one to the Gold Coast to commemorate their inaugural win. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, Chris, uh, and it's designed, it's designed, designed and produced by Chris. Uh, he's very talented. They look, it looks very nice. It's really quite tasteful for what was an extraordinarily <laughs> s- stupid exercise. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Chris, next week, mm. 
We'll have AFL football to talk about. We will have AFL football to talk about. I'll have AFL football to talk about. Um, I'm off to see uh, Hawthorne play Geelong on Monday. Um, I've got my scarf. I've got my coat. I've got a footy game to go to. to go it's going to be great. Uh, footy's on. Footy's here again, friends. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.